from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. Financial wellness and community partnerships are at the heart of the credit union movement's People Helping People philosophy. In this podcast, Credit Union Magazine rock stars Andrea Finley and Rashna Bhatia share insight on how financial wellness and partnerships also go hand-in-hand in in improving lives and strengthening the credit union brand. Andrea Finley is Financial Wellness Coordinator at SC Telco Credit Union in Greenville, South Carolina. Rashna Bhatia is Director of Community Outreach and Business Development at Infinity Federal Credit Union in Portland, Maine. Andrea and Rashna are among 39 credit union leaders named as 2020 Credit Union Rockstars by Credit Union Magazine. Sponsored by Fiserv, the Credit Union Rockstars program recognizes outstanding credit union professionals and volunteers from a wide range of disciplines for their exceptional creativity, innovation, and passion. Ironically, both Rashna and Andrea started their careers in banking but their hearts led them to the credit union movement. We're glad they're here. Both of you come from banking backgrounds, and you really found your home in credit unions. Can each of you tell me your stories? Let's start with you, Andrea. I started my career at a bank doing mortgage collections back in 2008. So you can imagine what that was like during the housing crisis. The common theme that I kept coming across or the common thought that I had was I definitely was feeling the profit over people mentality. By that, I mean, you know, it was more about selling products and actually listening and helping people. And it just didn't feel right. And I knew I wanted to do more to help. My conscience was always telling me to, you know, stop and really listen to what people were saying and try to figure out what their root need is. And then there was this constant battle within me of wanting to do the right thing, which didn't always result in a product being sold versus my actual sales goals, which were supposed to be top priority. (laughs) So long story short, I couldn't sleep at night. I kept having this internal battle. And I remember a conversation I had with my sister, who actually has some experience working for credit unions. And she said, you know what, if you really want to make a difference, you're going to go work for a credit union. And so I did. And that was the best decision I've ever made. How about you, Rashtan? You have a unique story as well. I moved from India to Maine in 2002, ever since I've been living here. In these years, last 17, 18 years, I have worked with different banks, three different banks, and I learned a lot there, definitely liked what I do. Then I took a break to be with my little one, my son, for a couple of years. And after that, when I decided that I was ready to go back to work, I was really looking for something, something which was local and community-based where decision-making is done differently. The focus is different. The focus is the people. And definitely, even though we are a not-for-profit credit union, we still need the revenues. We still need the income to be able to help other people in the community, but still where people are at the center of everything. So um, when I started looking online and came across this position at Infinity Federal Credit Union and, and I applied and I was hired and 
six and a half years later, I'm here telling you guys about it. So you both kind of followed your heart, and that really led to better things. And you found that the key to financial wellness is community partnerships. Why are community partnerships so key to financial wellness? Do you want to start with that, Rashna? I believe communities are the driving force of the economy, and hence they are the most important area that needs financial education, a special focus. It's sad that, you know, sometimes we witness individuals coming in to applying for a loan or opening a membership, but we see that they don't necessarily have the education and awareness on the basics of banking. Some of them are, you know, bringing a paycheck to provide from the family, and some of those individual are members are running a small business. So I think um, education uh, is the key to this, to uh, community partnerships, because they bring people together, you know, community partnerships educate, it enables us to serve individuals. How about you, Andrea? We refer to our financial wellness as the heart of our mission, and our mission is improving the financial lives of our members. And so part of that mission that's kind of unspoken is it includes members of our community. And so our community partnership, it pretty much is the philosophy of people helping people in action. And the fact that it's a top priority for us is what makes credit unions unique. And so I find it to be definitely important, but that's really what makes us stand out amongst others. What is the key to developing community partnerships? Can you kind of lead us in that direction a little bit? So I found that the key is very simple, actually. (laughs) It's just asking and then listening. So... A lot of times we, as a credit union or as even individuals, we feel like, hey, I'm the expert. Let me tell you what to do. Let me help you, right? But it's not helpful if we don't even take the time to ask, well, what do you need or what your needs are? So I found that to be most helpful is literally just whether it's calling up partnerships that you already have or going around and introducing yourself, but simply saying, hey, this is why I'm here. This is what I'm capable of doing. What can we do to help you in your mission? And how can we help? And really just sit back and be prepared to hear what they have to say. But most importantly, start with the community partnerships you already have. You don't have to go out and foster all new, brand new relationships. Deepen the ones you have and say, hey, this is what we can do. And so just by asking the question and listening to the responses and then acting on those versus just acting first, right? (laughs) Um, It's amazing what we've been able to do here for our community. And what's worked for you, Rashna? completely agree with what Andrea is saying. What has worked for me is finding a need because needs are unique to an individual and community. Understanding their story and background, being genuine and building a trust and comfort level with them, and then finding, you know, solutions that match their needs. So I think that that has always helped me achieve success in developing community partnerships. Has COVID affected your approach to partnerships, Rashna? Yes, at the beginning, because of social distancing and, you know, some of the channels shutting down, it was a crisis. But even though there was physical distancing, 
it brought people together emotionally. There was a, a stronger connection because we couldn't do some of the things that we were able to do very freely. Staying connected is the key right now. The you know approach, checking in with them, seeing how they are doing, finding out if they are in need of any financial relief, any sort of education that would help them. For example, digital banking, because with lobbies being closed, members could not come into the branches. They were only using our drive-up uh, facility. And also letting them know that we are here for them to help them and to support them and uh, with their financial lives. Uh, so um, definitely a lot of phone calls, emails, Zoom calls where, you know, that's how we were staying connected. We are also doing a lot of education over the drive through you know, setting tables outside, doing distance banking education, passing out information about how to log in to their mobile banking and how to do a mobile check deposit. And that has certainly helped us. How about you, Angie? Has COVID affected your approach? Oh, absolutely. So one of our key partnerships um, that I was talking about earlier, building those relationships, is with our local Habitat for Humanity. And so before COVID, um, I would go in and do workshops and schedule one-on-one counseling sessions with their families, and we would do budgeting or just helping them create their financial plan. And obviously, that all had to change, so no in-person anything for a long time. And so once again, it was calling them up and saying, hey, what do you need? (laughs) What can we do for you during this time? And they said, well, we still want to do counseling. Let's do video counseling. And so that's what we did. We shifted to, you know, your Zoom or your WebEx or whatever worked. And we were still able to schedule sessions. And those families were able to get the help and assistance that they need. Another thing that we've done has been create webinar videos. So whereas I would go in and teach workshop classes on budgeting and credit, those are now recorded via webinar, which is neat because before the issue used to be getting everyone scheduled aligned and daycare and all of that. Now we've been able to provide the same education on demand. And so now those families can go and watch whenever it best fits their time or their schedule, and they still are getting that financial education portion of the program requirements. So we've been able to adjust and pivot that way. Did you need any technical help to record those webinars? Surprisingly, no. I thought I would at first. I thought I would need all this fancy equipment, but we record just like we would record a normal Zoom meeting and we upload it to YouTube. And so then they can access it that way. And so we didn't have to get fancy with uh, creating our own content. It was just, hey, put the information in a PowerPoint, present it, and um, we've been able to to get rolling. So I was pleasantly surprised because at first I thought, oh, I'm going to need a studio of some sort, but that's not the case at all. Where do members typically stumble when it comes to their finances? Honestly, I think it's um, the mindset of if you're going into something thinking I can't do it, then it's going to make it twice as hard. So that's one thing I've found I've been able to help people overcome is just mindset, meaning a lot of times the people that are coming to me for financial advice or coming to the credit union to say, hey, I need help, they've kind of hit a point before they actually get to ask for help. And so as a coach and a counselor, first of all, I have to recognize that 
there's a lot of pride that comes into talking about your finances, right? That's not the first thing people want to talk about. They like to say, okay, I got it. This is on my own. But when you finally get to a point where you feel like you may be in over your head or um, you're like, okay, I just really need help. There's a lot of humility that comes in that. So first of all, it's recognizing that, right? Secondly, it's a lot of people thinking there's this overwhelming goal. If we do a budget and you see that you're $500 over every month and you're just not sure what's going on, at first that seems very daunting. How am I going to get this to balance out? But I found that if you can break a huge goal into small, very small bite-sized pieces, you can give people hope. So if it's, hey, we're going to set up a savings plan where you save a certain amount every month, whether it be to pay off something or to, you know, purchase something, the first step may be, hey, let me go and get my banking information so I can set up a direct deposit to take to work. Okay, that'll be action plan number one. And then the following week, it may be, okay, actually set up the $20 to come through and we do that for a month. And then you just slowly build on small steps. And through that, you can help people overcome any hardship that they have. But like I said, it's mostly mental because once they achieve the small goals, you see them start to walk a little taller, hold their head up a little higher, and you see that confidence coming in. And then the bigger goals seem not so scary. Rashna, uh, uh, how about you? So uh, one area of opportunity that we are finding is um, credit education, you know, because we serve such a diverse group of members in the community, some who have migrated from different countries, and they might not know how this whole system works in the United States. So we offer a lot of education around that. If we are unable to help an individual with their, say, with their lending needs today, we educate them on how they can get there in the near future and then come back to us so that we can help them. For examples, like how to use the credit card and you know how to make the payments on time, how all these steps affect their credit bureau, their score is something we do, we love to do, we specialize in it. And, and that is one area definitely that we stumble upon. What effect can these kind of efforts have on people's lives? Can you kind of share an example? It's very impactful because uh, this leads to improving lives and adds growth and value in our communities. People gain confidence and are they are more aware of their surroundings. They are confident, they feel educated. It also helps um, individuals and businesses make sound and independent financial decisions. We help several members uh, save money by doing the loan consolidation for them. We had helped a member save over $500 a month by just educating them on how this consolidation of different loans and how these loan payments is going to save them money, improve their score, and improve their overall financial life. Rashna is definitely spot on when it comes to that, as far as the confidence that comes along with it and the improving of our community. One particular example I have is I was helping a member on paper, everything looked great. She made great income, had a great job, career, family income was there. But she told me, she said, I always know when payday's coming because the day before, you know, I may be down to about $20. And I'm thinking, okay, well, let's find out where this money is going, which 
she really never sat down to track everything. And that's just one piece of financial education that a lot of people miss. Honestly, it's not something we practice, right? So we did that. And I asked her, I said, well, what are your goals? What brings you here? And she said, I really want to be able to set money aside and leave a legacy for my kids. I didn't work as hard to get the career that I have in order to just leave them with nothing. I want to be able to send them to school. And she had a list of things she wanted to do for them. But she said, I know I can do it. I just need to figure I'm missing something, right? And so once we went through everything, she found areas that she wanted to cut. It wasn't me telling her what to do. She decided, oh, no, I'm spending too much on this. I'm going to do that and setting up automatic savings. And she was well on her way. It was just having someone there as a coach, really, to just kind of root her on and say, you can do this. And here's a pointer here and there. But just the shift from when she first walked in to when she left, I could tell we made a big difference. And I've even checked in with her later on. And she's still well on her way to achieving her goals. But the long and short of it is everyone has a goal. They all might be different. But financial wellness can definitely help you achieve your goal no matter what that is. Andrea, how does financial wellness help your credit union and all this hard work you do? Well, we're seen as a beacon of light in our community because, as I've explained, the things that financial wellness can do as far as giving people hope and confidence to tackle on the day, if you will, it also gives members hope that we are here to do the right thing for them. So, It already has led to people coming to us because of word of mouth of, oh, well, you've helped my family members, so I'm going to come to you as well. And eventually that's going to pay off in the long run. It's that reputation. And so I think that in itself is a huge benefit for the credit union. Roshnid, can you build on that a little bit? Yes, I definitely agree with Andrea when she says when they're happy with us and our services, they bring their friends and family over. That is something we see that all the time. And for our credit union, we have definitely broadened our horizon as a result of this. We changed some of our internal procedures and processes so that we can be more flexible in meeting unique needs of our communities, members in the communities, you know, so that it's easier for them to do banking with us. We grew with our communities and now we are able to serve a lot more diverse part of the community because now we understand who they are and what they're looking from us. We have relentlessly pursued helping individuals in our communities understand the importance of financial education and we have been recognized for it. And finally, what advice would you offer other credit unions about succeeding in this area? Roshni, do you want to start us off? Personally, I believe that, you know, you have to love what you do. And also finding purpose and meaning in helping others, being passionate about the work you do, being open to new ways of learning, believing in yourself and what you do, being a team player and find ways to contribute to your team to your organization, and the communities you serve. Andrea, you want to finish us up? To go along with that passion that Roshna talks about, once you find that passion and you're concrete in it and uh, confident about it, then it's time to just put yourself out there and ask. 
that's how I've been able to establish some of our community relationships that we have is whether it's a phone call, a door knock, a, just a walk down the street. Hey, I want to introduce myself. We're in the area. This is what we can do. Not only introducing yourself, but the worst that they can say is no. And once you know that, then it doesn't make asking any harder. It just makes it easier because you say, okay, well, if they say no, then I'll move on or, or I'll come back later. But we also must be open to whatever the answer may be. We can't think that we know what they're going to say. We can't think that we can already anticipate what their need may be because it may surprise us. And if it does surprise us, we have to adapt and be flexible as well. So that's been really helpful and successful for us. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher Radio.